What an amazing day uh, today. Like, I, I always get so excited um, about uh, Easter. Like, I couldn't even sleep last night. Like, as I was so excited to preach today, kind of, kind of excited, also a little bit worried, like, because I, I always fear that there's going to be a Sunday that nobody shows up. Like, I was going to show up by myself. So, so a little bit nervous as well about, like, what's going on and happening. But I am so glad uh, that you're here today to, to celebrate uh, the resurrection with us. Uh, if you're in the room, like, that is awesome. If you're online, uh, so glad you're, you're joining us. And I want to start today by kind of just time stamping a few things. How many of you, uh, like, you remember, like, for some of you, you're not even going to be able to answer this because you're like me, you weren't even born yet. So this is for the old people. <laughs> Welcome to Ken Monday. This is what I do. Um, how many of you, like, you, you remember where you were when JFK was assassinated? Yes, some of you. Uh, okay, a little, bit, a little bit more recent. How many of you remember, like, where you were and what you were doing on 9-11? Yeah, more of you. All right, now, let me ask this question. How many of you remember where you were when you realized the whole COVID thing was going to be a big deal? Yeah, like nobody thought it was going to be a big deal from the start, right? Like I, I remember we had church on the, the Sunday before everything kind of went crazy and people were asking, are we going to shut down? And I'm like, no way, we ain't shutting down. Are you kidding? And then it was like Tuesday, I'm calling elders going, hey, I think we need to shut down. And, and it was funny because we had one of another staff member was supposed to preach that next Sunday. And I said, hey, we're, we're moving it. We're going to do it on Thursday now. He said, oh, I can't preach on Thursday. I'm like, all right, then you're fired, I'll do it. Um, but, but somebody asked me this question during COVID, and I thought like it was a very fair question, and, and by the way, I don't know is an answer. Like, it was a fair question, here was the question. If Jesus is so powerful, and if Jesus is so real, and if Jesus wants the best for us, and Jesus is so good, and he can heal people, then why doesn't he just show up and, and, and get rid of this thing? And I said, I don't know. Like, I believe all those things about Jesus. But during COVID, a lot of people asked that question. If Jesus is real, why didn't he show up? And, and many of us, during that, that period of time, like, we took a step backwards in our relationship with Christ. Like, we, we walked backward a little bit spiritually. Like, I, I can tell you, I did. Like, statistics show that we got, we got set back spiritually. And if that's you, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just verifies that you're a human. Like, I felt like I took some steps back. I feel like everybody that I know that is, that is honest took some steps back. But for some people, it, it wasn't COVID. Like, some people ask that question, Whereas Jesus went when your child got sick or when your, your aging parents got sick or the doctor called and said, hey, you know what? We need to, we need to have a, a conversation because that last test result wasn't very good or it was the job loss or it was the divorce or it was the divorce of your parents or, or maybe for some of you it was getting kicked out of school. There's so many things in life that happen that cause us to, to ask that question, where was Jesus? 
and, and if he's good, and if he's powerful, and if he's real, and if he wants what's best for us, where is he right now? Why doesn't he just show up and fix this mess that we're in? And I'm telling you, he's in the story. He's always in the story. Just not how you think he's in the story. And I wanna prove it to you by talking about a story that's very familiar. And I'm gonna push the pause buttons because someone's thinking he's gonna talk about the Easter story. Like, we'll get there, but we're gonna talk about a different familiar story first. Like, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. He said this, to illustrate the point further. And the point that he was illustrating was that lost things and lost people matter. He told a story about a lost sheep and about a lost coin. And now he's telling about two lost sons. There's not just one lost son, like we often think, like there's two lost sons. We'll talk about the second guy another time. We, we don't have time for that today. But Jesus told this story. He said a man had two sons. So we've got a father, and the father in the story is, is God. And he, you know, he's, he's a good father. He's got two sons. Now, one son is religious, and the other son is rebellious. And I think if we were to take a vote kind of right down the middle today, we would probably have 30% religious and 70% rebellious. This is Ken Mundy. And, like, and we're honest, right? Like, like the religious people are like, man, hey, like the parking lot's full out there. Oh, yes, it, oh, and the sun, every time I see the sun, I just want to fall down and worship the Father. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to get a tan. Like, like rebellious people, though, you, you guys, us, like, we're the people, if there's a sign that says, hey, do not touch the wall, like, we're all over the wall. Like, we're, we're making out with the wall. Like, that's just what we do. Like, so the father represents God, and he's got two sons, and he's got one that's religious and lost, and one that's rebellious and lost. And we're about to see how lost the rebellious son gets in just a second. It says this. It says, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. I want it now. Is he entitled? Does, does he feel like he deserves something? See, I love it when people say, oh, this generation today, these young people, like they're just so entitled. Like, listen, it's always been that way. It's not brand new. It's been going on for about 2,000 years. Like, can you imagine though that in this, in, in Hebrew culture, like you only get your inheritance after the father died. Like that's it. So when Jesus is telling this story his, to his original audience, like they kind of stepped back and they would gasp a little bit because the younger son is telling the father, hey, like you're dead to me. Like you may be my father and I may be your son and I can't do anything about that. But as far as I'm concerned, the relationship is over. I don't wanna have anything to do with you. There doesn't have to be any fellowship. I want what's mine and I want it now. This is the part that got me. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. I'd have smacked him in the head and told him to go to his room. But like, it's crazy. Like, you're really gonna do that? It's like, well, that's what, that's what he wanted. Watch that. It says, a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Like, has there ever been a time in your life, 
Like where you wish somebody would have stepped in and told you that's a dumb decision. Like don't do it. Probably many of you, you drove your dumb decision to church today. Some of you, and please don't say this out loud, but some of you are thinking, man, I'm sitting next to my dumb decision. Like, don't say that, though. But all of us have been down that road where we're about to make a, decision, a mistake, and we wish somebody would have stepped in. Like, we've all done the, the stupid stuff, and we wish, like, just right here, like, wouldn't this have been a great place for Jesus to show up in the story and just say, hey, listen, listen, listen. Before you go, you just need to understand a couple of things. You can walk away from the Father's presence, but when you leave his presence, you also leave his provision and his protection. So if you wanna go, you can go, but I wouldn't do it. Like I can show you a slideshow of how, how you're about to blow up your life. Like wouldn't it have been great if Jesus would have showed up in the story right there? But he didn't. Great opportunity for Jesus to just step in, and he doesn't step in. And you know why? Because you know this. Sometimes when we're walking away from God, we can't hear anything else but that rebellious call. Like, that's it. We focus on that one thing that we want, and we walk away, and it doesn't matter who says what to us, it doesn't matter who prays what, we're going to do what we wanna do. And that's what the youngest son's attitude was. Inevitably, Jesus goes on to say, about this time, his money ran out. I love that, because every once in a while, I'll meet somebody in church world, like, and, and they're, they're, they're skeptical. And maybe you're here today and you're skeptical or you're watching online and you're skeptical and you're like, man, I can't identify with anything in the Bible. How about that verse right there? About this time his money ran out. Your money ever run out? It says a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. You know what? He never starved when he was with the father. But he got away from the father and it was fun for a little while. It was good. I say it all the time, if sin's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Come ask me for advice, I'll tell you. Like, he was having fun. But then the party was over, and he began to starve. Now, now we don't know famine. Like, in the Midwest, the closest we get to famine is when there's a snowstorm, and we gotta run to the store and get bread and milk. Like, and, and I don't know why we have to do that. We haven't had bread or milk. We haven't had it in our house for weeks, but it starts to snow, and we gotta go get bread and milk. But he's in a family, like, if I don't get food, I'm going to die. So he persuaded a local farmer, it says, to hire him. My guess is this guy's probably never worked a day in his life. So he's going to go to work. So and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now, when Jesus said this, once again, like the, the audience would have been grossed out because Jewish people do not associate with pigs and Jewish people do not eat pork. Like I've been to Israel. Like I'm going back in January, I think. There are no barbecue restaurants in Israel. 
Not even in southern Israel. Like there's none. So he goes and he's feeding, he's feeding the pigs. And it gets worse than this. It says the young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Now I'll bet you that if you were to sit down with this guy before he walked away from the father and said, hey, what, what's your dream? What, what's your dream? What, what do you want in life? He wouldn't have said, man, I hope one day that I can lay with the pigs and eat what they eat. Like he didn't plan on that. Like if you're, you're in the room or you're watching online and you blew up your life at some point, here's what I know about you. You didn't plan on it. It was, a, it was a gradual thing. This would have been a great place for Jesus to show up. Would have been a great place for Jesus to enter the story. Like, and not only to warn him about what was gonna happen, but also like to meet him in the pig pen and, and pull him out. Like, have you ever read warning labels? Like, some of them just crack me up. They put them on products because some idiot like did this thing. For example, here's one. <laughs> hey, honey, I found some way we can save some time. We just fold little Freddy on up in this thing. We can be like, it's quicker. Or, or this next one's on a dryer. I love it. Do not attempt to dry cats, dogs, or any other pets or livestock, even after washing. That may have been because of the cat I put in a dryer. I don't know. <laughs> but somebody told me this a long time ago and it stuck with me. Like it's a phrase that I'll, I'll never forget. And I hope it sticks with you. It's this, is that sin will make you go further and make you stay longer than you wanna stay and pay more than you wanna pay. Like sin will make you go further than you wanna go stay longer than you wanna stay, and pay more than you wanna pay. Like it will, sin will always do that. It'll take you so far away from God that you'll begin to, to do things that you said that you would never do. It'll play with us and then it'll destroy us. I thought about this a, a few years ago um, and I, I probably got in trouble about it. But at, at SeaWorld several years ago, there, there was a death and any death is a tragedy to me. But the person that died, they were killed by a killer whale. At what point does somebody think I'm gonna get in the tank with this killer whale and I'm gonna train it? Like you cannot train an apex predator to not kill. That's what they do. You can have it thinking, oh, he loves me and like I can rub on him and maybe I, even I can ride him. But eventually, a killer whale is gonna do what a killer whale does and it's going to kill you. And it's the same thing with sin. Like it is going to kill you every single time. It will kill your joy. It will kill your peace. It, it, will, it will kill our belief sometimes that Jesus loves us or cares about us because if Jesus loved me or he cared about me, he wouldn't let this happen to me. You know, I try to, to stay away from a lot of counseling because I'm not very good at it. Because sometimes people just want to blame stuff on God that's not God's fault. I had a, an engaged couple one time, they, they came to me, and um, 
that they weren't married, they were engaged, they planned on getting married, and the, the girl was pregnant. She said, I can't believe that Jesus allowed this to happen. And I'm like, do I need to draw a map? Like, like I don't know. That. Or like I had a guy come to me one time and said, man, I, I can't believe that Jesus let me get a DUI. And I'm like, I can't believe you were dumb enough to put 17 shots of fireball in you and get in the car and try to drive home. Like, that's not Jesus' fault. But that's what sin does. It causes us to go further than we want to go, stay longer than we want to stay, and, and pay more than we want to pay. Like, this guy ended up in the pig pen. Like, wouldn't that have been a great spot for Jesus to show up? Like, if you read the Psalms, David in the Bible says, Jesus pulled me out of the, or God pulled me out of the pit. And this guy right here, he needs Jesus, and Jesus isn't in the story. Not yet, anyway. So he goes on to say, when he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his senses, I love that little, little phrase. Because people will, will come to me sometimes and say, hey, like, uh, um, my husband's addicted or my brother's addicted to something or, or they're struggling, and um, w- would you pray for them? And I'm like, here's the best thing that we can pray. Like, we can pray together is that they would come to their senses. Because until they want to get better, they're, they're not going to get better. And I'm talking to somebody right now in, in this room or online and you're struggling with a sin, with an addiction. Listen, you can't do it for your family. You can't do it for your friends. You've got to want it. And it's still a fight, but I'm telling you this, God can bring you through it. Like I'm 100% confident of that. But you've got to come to your senses and understand that this is, this is about me and my relationship with God. So, so he came to his senses and he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Obvious question. I need some participation. What was his primary motivation for wanting to go home? Food, right? He's starving to death. It wasn't that, hey, I miss, I miss the, the father's presence. I, I miss being part of the family. No, he, he was hungry. His motivation for going home wasn't spiritual. It wasn't relational. It was hungry. Like he had wrong motives, yes or no? Yeah. But you know what? It doesn't matter. If you have wrong motives, God can take the wrong motives and get you to the right place. Like, that's why I always say, like, we'll feed you breakfast. We'll do whatever. But they're only coming because you're feeding them. I don't care why they're coming. I don't care why, why, why you're here. If it's the wrong motive, if it's the right motive, because God can take the wrong motive and get you in the right place. I loved going to church in junior high because we had some hot girls in the youth group. The wrong motive, but God did something in me and changed me. Because that's who God is. And that's how he works. Anything that we give him to work with, any, any little bit that, that, that we can give him, he'll take. And listen, nobody in this room or nobody watching online, are you, you're too far beyond what God can use. I promise you that. So he said, I'm hungry. But then he was like, man, I gotta say something to my dad. And I don't wanna just go, dad, I'm hungry, because that'd be kind of weird, even though it's true. And then he started thinking, and watch how powerful this is. He said, I will go home to my father 
and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Like, that's powerful. He said, I'm going to go home and say, Dad, I, I messed up. That's it. Like, he's not going to list out all of his sins. It's like, hey, like, I, I messed up. I sinned against heaven and against you. That's, that's confession. Like, it, it involves saying, I'm sorry. He said, I'm no longer worthy being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And that's what happens, honestly, when we walk away from God and we get into a place that we thought we'd never get, and we're convinced that there's no way we could ever have that relationship that we used to have. So we say, well, I might as well stay here. Because there's no way I could work all this bad stuff off. And let me tell you, for those of you who are thinking that I can't come back to God because there's no way I could have the relationship that I once had, partially you're right. You can't have the relationship you once had but it can be better. Because sometimes you've got to, to get the second chance before you understand how good the grace of God really is. So he thinks I'm gonna have to work all of this bad stuff off. So, so he returned home to his father. Now, now, what do you think is about to happen when he gets home? Now, if you know the story, like you know the answer. But Jesus' original audience, like they, they didn't know what was gonna happen. So he goes on to say, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Like, I love the fact that his father was, was looking for him. Because some of us have been told that God's watching you, but he's watching you to get you. Like, he, he just wants to punish you. And this is what it says, though. The father looking for him and the father saw him coming, filled with anger and rage. No, that's not what it says. It says, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And this is where everybody in the story, like Jesus is telling the story to, like if they had a weak stomach, they just kind of turned to the side and vomited. Because this boy was covered in pig. You know, I said I don't, I don't do much counseling. Another thing I don't try to do is, is give much parenting advice. Because um, my kids are messed up. Well, like parenting's just hard. Like it's the kind of thing like you can do everything right as a parent and still have a crazy kid. You can do everything wrong as a parent and have like this incredible kid. Like I, like I don't understand it, so I don't give a lot of a parenting advice. But one thing I do tell young parents, um, first a couple of things is I said don't listen to everybody else because they're just gonna freak you out. You're gonna think it's miserable. I, I think kids are great. I don't think babies are very cute, but I think they're awesome. And then I tell them this, because nobody ever told me this, that you better be ready for the blowout. Like, mom, dad, like, be re like, am I right? And let me tell you a little bit about the blowout. The blowout's gonna happen somewhere between three months and two years old. And, and it's not gonna happen in a private place. It's not gonna happen in their crib or in their car seat. Like, it's, um, like you might get a bonus child that does it in all those places, but it's gonna happen while you're holding your child in your arms. And it's gonna start off great because your child is gonna to look at you and they're going to smile. And you're gonna think, oh, like they're so happy right now. And they are happy. They're happy because what's inside of them is about to come out. <laughs> and it's bad. And it's, and it's gonna get on your arms and it's gonna get on your clothes. Like, it's gonna be nasty. Am I right, parents? Like, we're real. 
But let me tell you what I've never seen a parent do. I've never seen a parent go, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I can't believe you just did that. You're just like your mom. Like, some of y'all laughed way too hard at that. You know what? Like you go clean yourself up and when you're cleaned up, you come on back and I'll hold you again. Like there's no parent on the planet that would do that to their child. Why in the world would we as imperfect parents, if we wouldn't do that to our child, why in the world would we think that God would do that to us? Why in the world would we think God would say, hey, like clean yourself up first and then you come home? No, he's saying just come home. God says, come home and I'll clean you up. We'll take care of this together. The father runs to him, embraces him, and kisses him. And don't forget that embrace thing. Because he's, he, he's holding him. And why is he doing that? Well, because religious people, religious people are mean. Religious people kill people. And the next part is for this person that says, I follow the whole Bible. Like, no, you don't. Because if you follow the, the next part, you'd be in jail. Are you saying you don't believe the whole Bible, Josh? No, I believe the whole thing. I believe it from the index to the maps. Like, I believe it all. I just believe that Jesus fulfilled the law, so we're under grace. And this next part, like, let me tell you what should have happened. When the younger son came home, he should have been killed, and the father's protecting him from it. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 21. It says, suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and the mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Would that have been true of the, of the son that ran away? Yeah. So then all of the, the men of his town must stone him to death. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. No kidding. Like I imagine discipline was a little bit easier back in the day, right? Hey, 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 boy. Did you hear what happened to Teddy? Like he went to a rock concert, buddy. <laughs> I will take you to see the elders. Like, all right. So according to the law, the younger son should have been killed. But when he came home, the father embraced him. He said, hey, if you want to throw rocks at him, you've got to throw them through me. The father we serve took our punishment. As we're reading the story, Jesus still hadn't showed up. Not in the pig pen, not on the way back home, not before he left. Maybe he's going to show up next. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he started uh, into his speech, and the dad just cuts him off. He doesn't even listen to him. He says, but his father said to the servant, quick, bring the, the finest robe in the house and put it on him, get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet. And now you know what a religious person thinks when they read this? Isn't it a bit too early for that? I mean, let's not go crazy. He just got back home. Of course, he's gonna say all the right things, but let's give him some time to prove himself. Let's not throw a party. Let's not celebrate. 
What I think God would say in return is, listen, we're not celebrating his behavior. We're celebrating the fact that he, he came home. We're celebrating the fact that he, he's returned. We're celebrating the fact that the relationship can be restored. And I'm so glad today that Jesus Christ did not die on a cross so that we could create a behavior modification program. He died on a cross so that broke down, busted up, beat up people can walk into the presence of God. And he doesn't say, go clean yourself up. He says, welcome home. We're going to change the way you look. That's what I get excited about. This young boy, like with his robe and his ring and his sandals, like he has to be looking around going, you know what? I lost a lot, but it looks like I still got a lot. You may have lost a lot at some point in your life, but you know what? You still got a lot. God still has a plan for your life. Like you've, you've got a lot left. Jesus still hasn't showed up. Where was Jesus? I'm, I'm about to show you. And when I, when I, when I show you this, like you'll, you'll, you'll see it every time you read the story now. It's kind of like the FedEx logo. You know what I'm talking about? I was going to put a picture up, but I didn't. Like once you see the arrow, you can't unsee it. Like once someone showed me this in this story, like where was Jesus in this story? It blew my mind. Let me show you this. It's the, the, the rest of that verse. And kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. I thought for a minute, kill the calf. What did the calf do? The calf's an innocent animal. It's the best that the family had. Why would they kill an innocent animal to celebrate a religious son? Oh, there's Jesus. The Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world to pay the price for our sin so that we could get back into a right relationship with God anytime we decide to come to our senses and come home. Like, that's what I think the church should be. Not a place where religious people throw rocks at people and give them the stink eye because they haven't been here for three weeks. But I want you to be able to, to, to always walk into this place. And listen, I don't care if you haven't quite sobered up yet. I don't care if you had a two-hour quiet time. The banner over this church will always say, welcome home, because that's the kind of God we serve. Jesus paid the price so that we could celebrate. Like Jesus paid the price. He was in the story the whole time because the price had to be paid so the celebration could take place. How does this tie in with Easter? I'm glad you asked. Because on Friday, there was extreme sorrow in all the followers of Jesus. I'm talking about the people that followed Jesus. They dedicated their life to him. When they saw him taken away and murdered on a cross, there was sorrow. Like they were thinking, man, we made the wrong decision following this guy. We thought he was gonna be the Messiah, but, but we've just wasted three years. There are people in this room today and like, and you're in a place of sorrow. Sorrow because of what's been done to you. Sorrow be, because of what you're going through. And I'm telling you, if you're, you're full of sorrow, Jesus knows exactly where you are and he'll meet you there. Maybe it's not sorrow, maybe you stepped over into the silence of Saturday. You know, Saturday after Jesus died, like it was quiet. There was nothing, there was no movement, there was no angels, there was no anything. And maybe you're here today and you're going, man, God is, 
God is completely silent in my life. You feel like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. You, you open the Bible and you try to read it and you're not, even, you're not even sure you believe it anymore because of the silence. Just remember, just because God is silent, it doesn't mean God is absent. In fact, God usually does his best work behind the scenes where, where nobody can see it. But let me promise you, if you feel like you're stuck in Friday or you feel like you're stuck in Saturday, Sunday's coming. And Sunday equals celebration. Because the people that were full of sorrow on Friday and the people that were full of doubt because of the silence of Saturday, on Sunday when Jesus showed up, there was celebration. And Jesus wants us to step out of our sorrow and step out of the silence into the celebration. Like there's not a person in this room, listen, that has strayed too far. There's not a person in this room or watching online that has gone too far. God loves you today, and he's calling so many of us to simply take a step and come back home. Why would you not? I'm gonna ask you to stand. Listen, at the end of the day, like there is nothing better. There's nothing better than knowing that you can walk back home. There's nothing better than than knowing that, that you've not gone too far, that you haven't done too much, that, that, that God still loves you. There's nothing better this world can offer. There's nothing better that anyone can offer that's better than Jesus. And so for the person that's here, that's far from God, like maybe you're a Christian and, you, and you've just kind of walked away from God, today's the day where you come to your senses and you come back home. And for those of you who have never met Jesus, Today's the day that you need to understand God sent his son to die on a cross to pay for our sins and he rose from the dead so that we can have life and there is nothing better than that. Like I've tried everything this world has to offer and I'm telling you, there's nothing better than him.